Hey, it's Justin Moore, host of Creator Debates, back at you with another bonus episode. I hear from a lot of creators who are in very traditional industries where it just seems like the brands and the companies have no interest in partnering with creators, which is why today I'm sharing a real coaching call with a creator where we analyze one of his recent negotiations to see how we can get it over the finish line and finally get him paid. Before we get started with this episode, I'm curious, are you looking to land more brand partnerships? Because I have a free weekly report that's gonna get you paid. The Creator Wizard newsletter will help you find which brands and companies are sponsoring creators, pitch more effectively, get paid more money on each partnership, and immediately get better looking and tell funnier jokes, probably. Join 30,000 creators and sign up at creatorwizard.com slash join. That's creatorwizard.com slash join. Someone needs to trailblaze and move forward for the millennial generation on down. That's Thomas. He's a creator just like you. But like a lot of creators, the brands in his niche are scared to move beyond traditional advertising. It's an industry that's kind of fallen behind a little bit in times uh, in terms of marketing. And, and here's the problem. While you might think these brands will eventually catch up, the truth is they first need to be educated by creators like you and Thomas. And until that happens, you'll never be able to generate meaningful sponsorship revenue for your business. That's why I'm I'm taking you inside a real email negotiation between Thomas and a brand in a very traditional industry. We're dissecting the entire exchange so you can learn the exact steps needed to convince these brands that working with you is gonna make you both some serious cash. So by the end of this, you'll know the fastest way to build rapport with any brand, how to upsell yourself so your next deal nets you double the cash or more, and ultimately how to convince even the most most traditional brands to work with creators like you. The number one thing that you need to do is Hi, yeah, I'm Thomas Hughes. I run the YouTube channel Circle H Scuba. It's a scuba diving channel where I do a lot of educational how-to content, some gear reviews, and basically trying to address beginner concerns that you can't really find out there. It's an industry that's kind of fallen behind a little bit in times uh, in terms of marketing and just the entire internet era in general. And that actually leads to some of the questions I have today that I wanted to book the call for. So um, as the channel has started to grow recently with one video that kind of uh, took off for me, it's, it's approaching 200,000 views now. And my channel has around 3,200 subscribers right now. You know, that video has caused other ones to take off. And now I've started getting a couple of emails and some of those are the hey, we'd love for you to do a review for a free product. And I'm trying to take the advice that I see from you and other other content creators of, hey, you know, an $18 piece of equipment isn't necessarily worth my my time for the 10 to 15 hours it takes to make a video sometimes. And, you know, trying to educate basically um, brands in this industry that have fall behind somewhat, you know, trying to let them know like what we can do together and, and find that part out. So specifically, I have one brand that I started working with a little bit and going back and forth. I did receive a product from them with the idea that I would come back to them with rates if I thought it would work well with my audience. Uh, and then I also have a convention coming up in a couple months where it's only for the scuba industry. Um, you can think of it as CES, but instead of electronics, it's for diving. So with that, I definitely want to make as many contacts as possible. But, you know, I'm new to the whole thing. itself. So. Awesome. Well, great context. So we've got a lot to, to dig into today, specifically this brand that we're talking with so we can strategize that, the conference. I'm excited to talk about that. But I would love to kick things off and 
Give me your personal assessment of why you think this industry is kind of behind the times. Like, like why, based on some of the interactions that you've had or your experience in the space, like, why is it that you think that they're kind of archaic in the way that they either market products, distribute products, et cetera? Yeah. Yeah. I think there's a few reasons. And, you know, I don't want to put my foot in the mouth and like talk bad about any specific groups or anything like that. But scuba diving as a hobby is a little bit more of an expensive hobby. Um, the people in it are typically a little bit more affluent as well. And it's also sometimes an older generation. You know, if there are younger people in it, it's because their family is into it and they're able to fund those hobbies usually. Or it's people that are like nickel and diming the backpackers that go and take a gap year and they get scuba certified on their gap year, that type of thing. It's usually a little bit of a barrier of entry just in that alone. So I, I think there's a little bit of an old world thinking in a sense with that because diving is relatively new. Recreational diving came out of the military uh, in the 70s and 80s. So it's really not that long ago that it's even come to a, you know, recreational everyday person can get into the sport. And most of what you see is print ad in magazines that are scuba magazines that only scuba divers know about. Maybe a few social media accounts where they're pretty much just marketing to divers. They're not really marketing to the non-divers to get new acquisition of, of new customers into the industry. And then you see websites that are usually like .com era at best if they have a website and it's, you know, very static plain HTML like you would do, you know, in the MySpace days or like even early 2000s, late 90s, where there's just not much there. And, you know, I think a lot of people are used to that. They're used to going to the local brick and mortar store. It hasn't really moved fully online yet still. And, and I definitely want to support all the local businesses that are out there, but it's more of a local word of mouth, small business. And you get into diving because you know someone that's a diver or you saw some post in a, in a magazine or something like that where it happened to come across your feed and then you finally start looking into it more. There's mm -hmm. not like mass knowledge, it feels like. Uh, I saw a statistic, I think it was in 2020, less than 0.1% of the world population is certified as divers. Wow. Um, so, I mean, it's, it's like a very small niche market. And mm -hmm. I, like I said, I think it's really just a matter of someone needs to trailblaze and move forward for the millennial generation on down and they just haven't done that yet. That's going to be you, I guess. Well, I mean, honestly, the, the reason I ask is because this is a really common thing that that certain creators get into, which is that they're in a particular niche or content vertical. I can't tell you how many times I've, I've heard that. Oh, man, my industry, they just they're so behind the times. They don't understand social media influencers or creators like what? What on earth? They all we're doing is we're spending fifteen thousand dollars on a magazine ad or, or something like that, right? There, that's what they think is kind of moving the needle for their industry. And so I've heard this story a lot. Um, and so I'm really glad that you shared your your perspective on that. Do you have a sense for like the demographic slash psychographics of your audience? Like, are 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 they the millennials and Gen Zers, or are they also the Xers and other other generations? Yeah, so it's pretty widespread. It would be, I'd say, like mid twenties on up. Um, I have some people in their sixties that enjoy the content as well. They're typically watching on TV, which is fun for my content because I do four K like scuba diving stuff. So it's nice to see on a big screen. But yeah, there's not as many of like the younger generation just yet. And again, I do think that there is some level of separation. Um, to get scuba certified, you have to be 10 years old at a minimum. And that's pretty rare, again, unless you have like a family that dives and they want to get everyone in the family mm -hmm. certified. What I've seen is, is again, a little bit more affluent. Uh, most of my viewers are in the US. I do things like I translate all my subtitles and I, I make sure all my subtitles are accurate and then translate them into as many languages as I can just to try to get widespread. So there is an Indian off, uh, audience as well there. There's some people in Europe and, and things like that too, which is great. But most of them are US-based and I would say the majority is like that 25 to 40 range. And then, you know, it kind of starts to do that typical uh, bell curve where it trickles down as you get into the, you know, 65 and then a very high like cliff more than a bell curve, I guess, on the opposite end. So 
you know, right. your 18 is, is pretty much non-existent on my side. Got it. Okay. So the reason I like to start here in these conversations is that one of your points of leverage when you are interacting with some of these brands who are more traditional is flexing your expertise and unique understanding of not only your audience, who it sounds like is a, an exciting prospective customer for, for these brands, but understanding more intimately what is going on in their lives, what problems they have, what's keeping them up at night, understanding your audience on a deeper level than just their demographics. Because we can all go into YouTube studio and look at our analytics and all that stuff, and that's all good and well. But it's really understanding like, okay, can we get some data on the household income of my audience? Like, is that something that we're comfortable asking? Maybe maybe it's simple polls in our YouTube community tab where we're asking like, hey, do you have kids? Something simple. I want to know more about you. I'm going to do a psychographic survey question once a week, every once every Sunday for the next three months. And with that, I'm going to build up this broader, more colorful picture of my audience and what that's going to do, you, you know what else you can do? You can you can ask them, what scuba brands and products are you loving and using right now? You can ask that on your YouTube community tab or newsletter or whatever platform you're on and start to get some of this data. So that armed with that, when you come into these conversations with certain brands, being able to, to share anecdotes, oh, that reminds me of that one time I surveyed my audience about XYZ and this is what they said. Most brands, especially the smaller, you know, mom and pop companies, whatever, like, you know, they're, they're, they're not huge companies per se. Um, they just don't have the marketing infrastructure to do any sort of focus groups or research into the market. They're somewhat reliant upon the retail, the success of that particular retailers that they're in. Maybe some of them are direct to consumer, but that's probably represents a pretty small percentage of their sales. Maybe not. But like if they are doing any sort of like online advertising, it's probably like Facebook ads or Google pay-per-click. That's probably it. And so the reason I think it's so important to start here, which is like, okay, what, what are my like negotiation levers as a creator to help them understand why partnering with me in particular will help them not only get insight into this potential market that they're trying to reach, but why my audience is so different than running a Facebook ad. Because you have to remember, this is the calculus that's going on in their head is they're saying, okay, if I invest a thousand dollars into Facebook ads, I know with relative certainty, if they've been running Facebook ads for a couple of years, they know they're probably going to get, let's say a thousand dollars out of that profit. So they're going to make $2,000, but that they spent a thousand, so it's a thousand profit. And so they're doing the same math when you say, hey, you know, for me to talk about your product, it's going to be a thousand dollars. And they say, okay, well, is this going to generate $2,000 of sales? <laughs> and, and you're like, well, I can't really guarantee you that. And so they're saying, thanks, but no thanks. So I just wanted to like start off with this conversation because it's so important to get into the headspace of kind of where these brands are at and and kind of meet them where they are. So rather than going in there, this is what a lot of creators do when it comes to traditional industries. They'll go in there and be like, you're stupid. Well, they don't say that, but in there, they kind of say that. They say, you're stupid. Why are you spending seven, ten, fifteen thousand $15,000 on magazine ads? No one reads magazines anymore. You should advertise on YouTube or Instagram. You should work with me, right? This is, this is the underlying, like, you know, message, <laughs> the subliminal message behind a lot of the conversations. And how does that feel to them? 
the, the, the brand is like, screw you. Yeah, no, you know what I mean? Well, that sense for sure. And I actually, um, I was just starting to pull up as you were talking there too. It reminded me this conference I'm going to, there's a whole membership you have to join first before you can get access to the conference, of course. Mm. Uh, so there's paid membership and that membership has industry reports that are like basically demographics and surveys on things like, hey, last time you went to a brick and mortar dive shop, what did you buy? And they had, you know, a whole survey done. I think information like that, I could definitely leverage with some of these brands that may not even know that report even exists, I guess. And I think it's also then a matter of like, like, I guess when I, so this email, I, I know I forwarded you the email there. So yes, I've got it. I've got it right here. Let me, let me pull it up actually. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. So it, you know, it kind of starts with the typical, Hey, you know, we love your channel and they name like your most recent video uh, or something like that. Right. And they say, you know, we really like what you're doing. And to be fair, they very well could have checked out, you know, what I have been doing here. You know, one personalized thing. Congrats on 2,000 subscribers, um, July 12th. So two weeks later, I'm at over 3,000 now. Hey, but you Boom. Know, like I thought I would reach out about <laughs> this and collaborating. Maybe you could do a review of some sort. And it's kind of like with that basic intro, how do I not overwhelm them with mm. like, hey, yeah, I'd love to. Let me teach you how this works, actually. And like, you're just looking for this part of it. And in this case, they're a small company based here in the US. Um, this is mm -hmm. even the company and they probably have less than 10 employees. So, mm -hmm. you know, it's kind of like, how do I, like, I can pull up a bunch of information and say like, yeah, hey, actually I found this, this, and this. And, you know, this is the demographics that I have. And I mean, I have stats from like Amazon affiliates where I just did a review video the other day and on day one of it, the product that I linked to sold like 20 different, times, you know, from mm -hmm. directly from my click type thing, uh, just, you know, within the first few hours. So it's like, right. I, I can show some stats like that, but how do I, I guess, you know, for someone that's like just offering like a freebie basically, yeah. how, do you, how do you then pitch it? And especially when this isn't like an agency that knows that these deals necessarily happen. Like, I truly don't think that this owner here was thinking about like, oh, people pay for this stuff. I think right. he's fully in the mindset of like, I'm doing a favor by offering something for free to this person and you know we get to work out together and it is a collaboration not a like a paid deal i guess or, right I don't know, I, right I'm, I'm going on and on but i kind of mean like how do you approach that with a, a brand i think there is an element of education but you don't want to overwhelm them yes 100 percent. so your intuition is correct which is that there's a couple things that i think are really important to understand when you receive an email like this number one this is the owner reaching out as you as you said right and so they don't have, probably don't have a marketing team, likely, if this is the person who's doing the outreach. Their level of familiarity with how these types of collaborations work, it seems as though they don't really even know, you know, oh, perhaps a product review or perhaps this or collaboration, whatever, like you tell me basically, right? And so this is actually quite common in industries that are more traditional, where you have these smaller to medium-sized companies where there's, you know, the owners are getting their hands dirty, et cetera. And so... Probably there's there's two very important like mindset shifts around around this. Number one is that the onus is actually on you as a creator to educate them. And probably what I would have done at this juncture is I wouldn't even have hit them with all these questions initially of like, have you worked with creators? Have you done that? You know, looking at your last post, and all that stuff. All that stuff is great research that you should have done in the background. But probably what I would have asked for is a call as a direct response right to this first email. I would have said, hey, let's hop on a call. This sounds awesome. It gives you an opportunity to establish rapport 
with the owner because at the end of the day, the buck stops with the owner. Like they're going to be the ones who are writing this check probably. Right. And so what I would have done is I would have said, let's hop on a call. I, I, hey, this is super exciting. Let's hop on a call and then ask all the questions that you asked in this email on the call. Like, again, this is these are just kind of tactical stuff. But it's like, again, it's reading the situation. This is a small company. It's the owner. They don't really understand this clearly. And so you can put yourself into the position of expert very easily on, on a call like that. OK. And then so on a call like that, asking these types of questions and then. You know, I guess the, the theory or the idea would be that they kind of recognize like, oh, wow, there's a lot more to this, maybe. Yes, ex exactly. Um, I can understand that. And I luckily, I think in this case, I kind of got that type of response because they I think right. they had mentioned something about like they've worked with a few people with reviews and they never really saw too many conversions. So they were kind of just looking for brand awareness and they don't have any specific campaigns going on, that type of thing. So, you know, it was kind of like, here's, you know, here's one example of someone that did a, a TikTok for us. And, you know, it was just kind of a, a general way to do that. And I personally didn't want to just do like a one-off review. I don't think that would serve my viewers too much. And for brand awareness part of it, I also wasn't too sure how to raise brand awareness yet. I'm, I'm still, you know, trying to figure out what content formats can help with that type of goal. You know, I think conversions would be a little bit better. And then also it was kind of weird, like you're asking for a review, but you don't necessarily want conversions. You just want people to know about it. So I, I thought it was a little bit strange. Like you said, maybe mm. it could have helped suss this out some. Yeah. So ultimately, I wound up recommending like, hey, maybe I can make a video about this product category in general, which happens to be a category that is sometimes contested in the diving community specifically. Um, and I'll, I'll just say it has to be a snorkel. And people are unsure if they want to use snorkels or not with diving. Sometimes people say they get in the way and they're annoying to have on your face and all this different stuff. Mm. And this happens to be a solution that can kind of be a hybrid approach to you know, still having mm -hmm. with you, but not needing it all the time. So I yeah. think, hey, this, this would integrate really well in this type of way. And I tried to demonstrate a little bit of value of like, hey, I can come up with a really cool idea here and, you know, we can do this. But now if we were going to do this, and, oh, and I think I did offer a call at the end of that. Yeah, we can hop on a call. If yeah, <laughs> right, right. Um, so maybe I should so have Here's why getting on a call would have been so important earlier on in that juncture. You, you did get a lot of information and I want to pause and acknowledge like you, you got a lot of stuff right, like way better than a lot of creators that I've seen in terms of, you know, early on. So like you're you've been on the live streams, you've been watching the content clearly. So let, let's give you we're going to give you we're going to give you some applause right there. We're going to do it. Um, I think the big insight here is that this is what would have happened had you been on the call. You could have very succinctly articulated the difference between a brand awareness campaign and a conversion campaign. So a lot of brands, they don't understand the difference, right? So you'll ask them, oh, is it conversions? Is it repurposing? Is it awareness? Like they say, oh, awareness and conversions. Like they don't really quite understand what the difference is. And so it takes you saying the following. You say, okay, well, if it's brand awareness, then, or if it's conversion, then what I'm going to be doing is I'm going to be saying, oh, you got to check out this, you know, particular scuba hybrid product. It's amazing. Here's a couple of the features and benefits. Click the link in the description and use the promo code CircleHScuba20 for 20% off your first purchase. That's the conversion because you're, you're driving someone to make it do a very specific call to action, right? Contrast that with a brand awareness campaign where you may not even drive anyone to a link or there's probably no promo code. It's just like, hey, I'm going to educate you about this product. And the whole goal is uh, association with you and your name and likeness and your brand and scuba in general. It's going to be more of kind of a full court press attack approach across, you know, probably not just you. There's probably going to go out there and work with other creators, too. And so it's like explaining the difference is that like tactically, the way in which you create the content will actually change 
based on the goal of the brand. And so helping them understand that more, because even in their explanation of like, oh, we've worked with these people on TikTok and like, it seemed like the people had smaller followers. Well, they didn't really convert and all this stuff too. That has nothing to do with how many followers you have. It has everything to do with the way in which you craft the content. Obviously following can be somewhat of a proxy of how much, you know, because there's more, more eyeballs, the more potential for sales, obviously, but like a, a much bigger factor is all of the other things related to it with like, you know, we didn't even get into this, but like, what landing page are you sending people to? <laughs> right? Like, let me look at that. Like, can you send me the landing page that these other smaller creators who you said didn't convert were driving to? I can give you some feedback on, hey, you know what, my audience, they don't really understand. Do you need a scuba? Do you not? I think we should have a profile photo of me on there being like, hey, scuba H, you know, circle H scuba, you know, viewers like come, you know come on over here, right? Like, you know, here's an exclusive video. I made this three minute video. You can't find anywhere else. I'm uh, you know, talking in more in depth about the product, right? So it's like, these are the things that you can say on the call. And then they, they step away and they'll be like, okay, I realize that Thomas is more expensive or he's, he's charging money and everyone else is not charging money, but it seems like it's just going to go better with him than all these other people who are accepting free stuff. Because again, the, the other thing I think that's really important that you can explain on a call is that they really don't have control over how their product is represented when you give something out for free. There's no incentive for someone on TikTok or YouTube or whatever to be like, hey, here's the here's the draft of it for review. And them being able to say, hey, like, can you actually, uh, that's actually not accurate, the way in which you said that thing or whatever. Can you either do a new voiceover or trim out those 10 seconds or whatever? Like, rightfully so, the brand has a little bit more control when they are compensating you. And so, again, just like, Saying that, having this conversation, this dialogue with the owner on the phone call, I think they'll, they, you know, they will just appreciate that more than just this kind of transactional nature when you send free stuff out. Yeah, no, that makes a lot of sense too. And, you know, maybe you have this somewhere uh, inside the academy now that I think about it, but I think something that would be good for your channel potentially even would be to show an example. Like you've talked about the three things that brands want, conversions, brand awareness, and uh forgetting the third one now, but a repurposing, repurposing. That's it. Uh -huh. I think repurposing and conversions are very self-explanatory for content mm. creators, at least for me, like those ones just make sense. I can instantly think of how I can make videos for that. I don't know how to make videos for brand awareness that fit into something like, you know, an education, how to type channel or, mm. you know, like an entertainment channel, like what would they do? Just a shout out. Like that seems very weird. And then how do you track that and everything too? Like you talk about sending post campaign reports and I have no idea what I'd really do for that. So I, I would be interested in that. And we don't have to necessarily answer that live on this call, but uh, yeah. in general, that might be a content idea is that like, hey, this is a, an example of someone that you worked with that's done a you know brand awareness campaign. And here's an example of this and that, because that, that was what I did. I actually wound up kind of talking them back into conversions potentially and was like, I know you said this didn't necessarily work, but then I talked about like a tracking link or using Amazon affiliates where I can give them a report afterwards. Mm -hmm. And then I tried to show some, some value by saying like, hey, I even ran a poll with my community and you know, so far the results are 50-50 on people using them or not, which leads into my idea of, are these useless or not? And maybe you should have one. And here's a solution that allows you to take one, even if you don't like using one normally. I would try to show like basically the pitch and where it would be valuable and how it's already going to potentially resonate with my active audience that's involved with my community posts. I think did a good job positioning, but to your point, like I could have said all of this on the phone that would have been more personal and we probably could have had more rapport with it too. I do think that I can still pull this one out. Like where we're at right now is uh, I told them that basically this weekend I'm going to go diving again and do a little bit more testing with the product. And and then also in, in the back of my mind, doing some more footage as well with the product because I need mm -hmm. that 
in the water. Right. The nature of the content I create, I have to do it while I'm out diving. So like I have time to come back to them and kind of craft a response. And my plan was to kind of come back and hopefully get on a call and say like, okay, hey, like this is what I'm thinking right now. This is, you know, a video type that I think would work well and kind of go from there. <laughs> you know, I think it's, there's so much uh, like that can be accomplished on a call uh, in addition to what they reach out about. Like an, another avenue we haven't even explored yet is like, tell me about your social media strategy brand. You know, you did your own sleuthing and it seems like they're doing a little bit of YouTube, but not much else elsewhere. Like, why is that? Is it a resource or bandwidth constraint internally with your team? Do you have a marketing team? Who's doing your content? Who's doing your social media? All those questions are totally fair game <laughs> on a call like that. And so that could open up a whole other conversation of, hey, like I can absolutely talk about you on my channel, all this stuff. But like, I think there's a really big opportunity to tell your brand story in a really, really unique way on your owned platforms. Oh, you don't have a TikTok? You probably should have a TikTok. Like you could show examples of how you tell stories and use narr you know, narrative storytelling around the brand and the product. You're a small team. Like people love getting behind the underdog when it comes to like small businesses and products and stuff like that, especially on TikTok. So again, it's like having that conversation. It's just, it's difficult to have over email sometimes, especially with a small company or small brand. And so, like you said, I still think this is totally salvageable. You've still got some time. Again, like I would really try to push for a call still. I really would try to say, hey, like, all right, I've got all my results. I, you know, I tested it. I had a lot of time in the water with it. Would love to hop on a call and kind of chat through all this. Uh, would be great to meet you. Happy to give some like feedback on the product. I, mean, I don't know if you want to do that, but you know, like things like this and then go from there. And so essentially what I, my recommendation on the call is I would just develop your list of questions in advance before you get on the call. You ask them, uh, you know, clarify some of the, um, you know, campaign, you know, objectives that they were talking about. Any other questions that you have, such as the ones that we brainstormed. And then at the very end, you basically say, this was super useful. I'm going to go back and I'm going to put together a proposal of some ideas that I have of how we could collaborate. You can say, I know you mentioned that about the commissions and all that stuff too, but I have a, like a much more ambitious plan of how we could really move the needle for your company and for your products. I'd love to put together a couple different tiers or packages of what that would look like. And so do you have a sense of what those three or four investment levels would look like? What, what's feasible from a budget perspective? And just leave it at that and see see what they say. And he'll, he'll probably hem and haw and say, oh, well, we don't, we've, we haven't really done it before. We haven't seen great results. So you say, okay, well, like what's feasible? <laughs> you just say, okay, good to know what's feasible, right? Because again, at the end of the day, like you said, an $18 snorkel is not justification enough for you to spend 10, 20, 30 hours in total testing this product, reviewing it, et cetera, et cetera. It's just not worth it. And so it, your job is to tactfully communicate that, is to say there's all these other ways I can provide value to you beyond just distribution on my platforms. Okay, yeah, sorry, I'm taking some notes as you talk too. Yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah no, that's great. I think I think that makes a lot of sense. And um, yeah, I think I think that's definitely gonna be the next call. And yeah, I, I wrote, that was the first thing I wrote down was like, get on a call. <laughs> So I, I think that'll be good and definitely doing that. Quick reminder, if you want to appear in a future video like this, you can book a one-on-one -on -one call using the link below. And I think part of it for me, maybe this will relate to other people that watch this would be, especially as this, like this being my first brand deal type thing, it was almost like the nervousness of, I didn't feel fully prepared going into it. So if I'm going to be the expert as like the content creator, I wanted to have all the cards in my hand type thing and not have a question on a call where I don't have that buffer time to think like, how do I craft a response to this properly and not back myself mm. in the corner? So 
I think that makes sense. I mean, this makes me feel a lot better about it already. And um, can I give you permission on something? It's okay to say, I don't know, to a question. Rather than BSing your way through an answer, I've heard this from a lot of creators, the thing you just, the sentiment you just expressed, which is like, I'm just terrified to get on a call because they're going to ask me something and mm, I don't know, like they're going to ask me, how can you track these conversions or attributions or like technical something, right? They were like, I don't know what to say to that. And you say, you know what? Uh, I'm actually not sure. No one's ever asked me that before, but I'll look into it and get back to you. I actually think people respect that more than when you're trying to BS someone. And that actually is more of a sign of expertise than anything else is that people like true experts, true people who have integrity and understanding and, and authority, they're totally comfortable being like, I don't know. I don't know the answer to that. I'll get back to you. And that's totally reasonable. And so what I'm saying is that shouldn't be an obstacle. That shouldn't stand in the way of you starting to forge these relationships, getting on calls, et cetera. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, I think it's a great point. I, I mean, I've done plenty of like public speaking and, and things like that in the past and everything too. But yeah, something about this specifically was like, oh, I don't want to like, put, again, put my foot in my mouth type thing and, and commit to something that I don't want to actually commit to or, mm. you know, quote unquote, ruin a potential deal when it's my first time. And, and then at the same time, I mean, I might need to ruin a hundred deals before I get one that lands properly because sometimes that's just the way it goes too, right? You have to get the reps in, but. Yeah. Um, no, stick with me. You're not going to ruin a hundred. Don't worry. Then maybe, maybe there'll be a hand, maybe it'll be a couple, but not, not, not a hundred. Um, I definitely want to talk about the conference. Um, yeah. but are you feeling pretty good with this, this situation right now? I, was gonna say, I, th I think that helps a lot with this. And I think it just gives me some more fuel for, you know, if any other ones come in in general. So yeah, so transition to the conference. So that the quick high level is that this is an industry conference. Again, think of it as like a CES, basically a consumer electronics show, but it's specifically for the dive industry. So only dive professionals like myself, a scuba instructor, dive shops, the travel agents that do all the resort bookings and stuff like that. Uh, and then all the manufacturers showing either their new products or, you know, just their existing product line and trying to get local dive shops to put that retailer, you know, brick and mortar stuff. Again, it's very much a, a brick and mortar word of mouth type of business right now. One of the issues that I'm having, I guess, with like trying to reach out to a couple brands is like, sometimes you don't hear anything back. Like there might only be a couple marketing people at most at these companies because mm -hmm. and it's just not that forward thinking yet. They're doing a lot of print ads still and things like that too. So, mm -hmm. um, you know, a few have ambassador programs where they give you free gear in exchange for them asking for you to post an Instagram post once a month or something like that. I haven't even applied to those because I figure... I don't necessarily want to get in the business of an exclusive deal where I'm not getting any payment for it and just getting mm -hmm. gear. I mean, to be fair, gear is expensive for diving, but you know, I don't, I don't necessarily want to make that deal. My plan or my goal here is like, one, I'm going to be capturing a bunch of content as I walk around this conference, which is cool, but more specifically, I mean, I want to get my name and business card and, you know, that type of thing in the hands of as many people as possible because the people that work these booths are the marketers, right? Like they're the advocates. And I know that. So they're the people that can at least get my foot in the door, hopefully. And I'm not sure like how to best prepare for that, I guess. And then again, it's kind of like, what's your elevator pitch of why you should even consider YouTube as content creators mm. potentially sponsoring a video or doing a brand deal when, you know, some of them aren't even doing social media in general. Like you mentioned, right. ads. some aren't even doing that. It's, it's right. like really just a word of mouth. All right. So let's start with the baseline. Okay. Which is that, what do you think everyone else is going to be doing? They're going to be trying to do exactly what you just described. It was like, how can I get my business card in the hand of all these marketers? That's what everyone's thinking. Okay. And so your number one task is to not be that dude. Okay. Not be the person who comes up and be like, let's collaborate. Let's partner. Like I have a YouTube channel, this many subscribers, blah, 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 blah. Because that's a big turnoff. Right. And so the big difference of how you need to approach 
you know, interacting with these marketers because you're not going to have much time. Usually there's probably going to be a table and, you know, it's a, either maybe it's an open uh, booth. Maybe it's not. Maybe it's just a table and you have to kind of awkwardly go over and like you know, talk to them over the over the thing. I've been to a lot of conferences in my life. And so it's like you don't really know until you get there. But the number one thing that you need to do is make it about them, not about you. And so your goal when the first moment that you come up and you reach, you interact with them is tell me about your marketing objectives for the rest of the year. Are you releasing new products? Are you releasing new features to your current products? What are your goals? That's what you ask them. That's the leading question. And you just act interested in them and what's going on in their world, because that's what they're there to do, to talk about their own stuff. Because I've been at these conferences, man. I know what creators, a lot of people will do is they go, oh, I have a YouTube channel. I have a podcast. I, I'm doing XYZ. I'm a journalist. I'm a blah, 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 blah. And it's pitching their own stuff. And so you have to flip the tables and be like, look, eventually they're going to ask you. You're asking all these questions. Oh, what do you do? And you're going to say, oh, well, I have a YouTube channel, right? And I talk all about scuba. And so it's a, so much easier of a transition for you to start having that conversation about how you can help them accomplish their objectives that they just told you about. Oh, you're trying to get, you know, this hybrid snorkel out to, you know, all these people. Guess what? You can do that by sponsoring me. It's a positioning exercise. And so you're still getting sponsored at the end of the day, but you're starting with the problem and helping draw the line that like, hey, I can help you solve this problem by sponsoring me. And so like if it was me, that would be the number like would be like the number one chief goal when I'm going out there and I'm kind of, you know, got my business card and I'm doing I would just try to have a bunch of conversations, try to do as much research as possible about the brands that you know who will be there. Hey, I saw that you're releasing this in six months or whatever. They'll be impressed. Wow. This person knows what's on our product roadmap or something like that. Like that lab. I want to let's talk to Thomas. Right. Another thing. I don't know. When is the conference, by the way? Uh, November. Okay, so you have a little bit of time. Do you have a podcast? Remind me. I don't remember if you do. Not yet. Not yet. Okay, so it's it's in the works or it's in that you're thinking about it? Okay. I have the the title, the idea. I have guests lined up. I don't have the time. I'm hiring an editor right now. Uh, okay. I'm going through a trial with some editors and that'll free up enough time that I can then start interviewing people too. <laughs> okay, so, so the reason I bring that up is because I have another client who is a podcaster primarily, has a YouTube channel, but man, he makes an absolute killing at these industries. He's also in a very specific niche. He goes to these trade conferences and one of his like major deliverables, one of the things that all of his brand partners and, you know, clients and all this stuff get so excited about is being interviewed on the podcast in the booth. And what do you think happens when that happens? Everyone else sees the camera gear. They see the microphones. They see you in the booth of their competitors and they say, who's that guy interviewing our competitor? And so one of the things that I would be really looking to do if you can't pull it off this year, but perhaps next year is like, hey, I want to like talk to the organizers of this conference and say, hey, I want to do like a podcast circuit. I want to like interview the marketing brass and, and, and surprise, surprise, guess what? Appearing on your podcast could be eventually become a deliverable as part of a partnership. And you could even do this on YouTube too. I know you don't do it currently, but like you still could have content around this that that is different types of content on your YouTube channel where it's like interviewing, you know, different marketing brass at different organizations, all this stuff too. And that all of a sudden becomes content that doesn't require you to be in the water. Yeah, no, you're uh, you're right on what I was thinking actually. So my plan is uh, like, I've already been writing down like a packing list and I'm going to have my gear bag with extra batteries and stuff. I have my, my wireless lav mics and I've got two of them set up. And I was like, oh, I'm going to, if the booth isn't busy, then I'm going to ask like, hey, do you have time to chat for about 30 minutes or 15 minutes even about 
what you guys have going on, what you're presenting today, that type of thing. And I figured two things would happen. One, I either have video content that would be its own dedicated thing and possibly doesn't need that much editing. I mean, you're just kind of cutting dead air and maybe doing some cleanup on the audio. And then the other aspect would be, um, I might be able to even just use it as a general like montage of clips of, I went to this expo or this conference and here's a video of like this conference 2023 in general. So it's either, you know, use it as its own individual thing or use it as a, as a joint thing from them. So I'm right there with you on that. I figure especially the smaller booths will be able to do that because they probably won't have as much traffic going on. And then the bigger ones ask for what time during the week they might have. And I've also heard, this is my first time going to this conference. I've heard that they do have dedicated areas for interviews mm. that are like a little bit quieter and away from, you know, the main groups of things. But for next year, I'm thinking about seeing if I can talk to the organizers and like rent a conference room or something like that. Mm, and, you know, kind of say like, Hey, like give me a dedicated meeting room that I can mm-hmm. use for this. And, you know, and again, I guess it's just more of like, it's a four day event. I want to leverage the time as best as possible. Yeah. I mean, it sounds like we're on the same page or I was maybe thinking the right way of like, not just saying like you said, let's collaborate. Here's my YouTube channel, blah, blah, blah. But more of, well, you know, tell me about what's going on and hundred percent. And, and like, you could start getting like really next level with a lot of the types of things that you could start offering to brands. Like you could say, Hey, like I'm going to have a videographer with me or photographer with me. Do you want me to capture, let's say you are doing the interviews and all this stuff too. Would you like me to capture some behind the scenes footage of you and your team and the booth and like all this stuff, your, your advocacy for the scuba industry at this trade convention I will give you, as part of the deliverables, I'll give you a montage video of your brand and your people interacting and like photos that you can repurpose on social media. Like if you sell that through, it's a no brainer to hire a videographer, a photographer to follow you around the whole time. You know what I mean? I like that idea too. Yeah. Yeah. It goes back to what you said. The teams are usually small and they don't have. Yeah. You know, they don't have someone there doing that. So they definitely don't like the conference organizer who knows. Yeah, usually they have photographers, but it's not just for that brand. It's like for everyone. Right. And they get maybe a handful of photos of their team or whatever. So usually they're not good or not. But like, no, I'm. this is deliverable. Like I'm going to come and like take photos of your, you know, so it's like there's a lot of really interesting avenues to you know, the other. The other like a thing like idea I would give to you is that this coaching client that I mentioned started doing this more and more. Um, started doing meet and greets like at the, at these conferences because they were kind of some of the large influencers in this particular industry. And eventually it got to the point where the conference themselves was like, we got to work something out here. Like you're pulling attendees, like people are interested in talking with you. So like fast forward a year or two years down the line and let's say you're the you're going to be, I'm not saying if, you're going to be the guy, right? And so imagine that maybe there is a track or a day or something where it's like, you know, social media scuba, you know, type idea where it's like kind of the new generation, the next generation of people. And then all of a sudden, you know, maybe there's programming that you can have fingers in. There's like different influencers that can go. So it's like, I think there's a lot of like avenues that I would really suggest like treat this this first conference that you attend to just try to meet everyone the organizers all the people knowing that like future years down the line you have kind of some ambitious aspirations of what it could potentially be a good example of this is that i've always wanted to run my own conference i have this idea for what i call the sponsorship strategy summit i'm just putting it out into the universe that's like something i want to i want to do right because i think it would be a conference dedicated to partnerships there's some that are dedicated more to kind of like b2b type space but there's nothing really dedicated to like what i talk about and so the intermediary step that i did was i attached myself to cex the creator economy expo this year so i did like a, a workshop uh, on one of the days so i was like a satellite workshop as part of the conference and it was awesome because i was able to like utilize their 
conference space. Like, uh, you know, I was able to utilize their booking system. And like, I just had to kind of tell my followers about it. And so there exists an intermediary step for you. So for example, maybe one day you do see yourself having like your own conference or your own thing or whatever. And you can treat a lot of these experiences that you're having early on to like, uh, you know, get you to, to where you want to go. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, you just made me think like, absolutely. Maybe in a year or two, I can pitch a like, you know, why you need to work with content creators or how to work with content creators. And, you know, it's just for that niche specifically. And I've seen that at other events where it's, you know, in a tech event or something like that. Like, how do you work properly with YouTubers or, you know, gaming conventions will do that sometimes too. Like, how do you work with content creators properly? So yeah, I think that's perfect. That's great. There's also like one other caution that I will, I'll give you, which is that the tendency of a lot of creators when it comes to traditional brands is to basically tell them that their tactics suck, right? We talked about this. And that's the, the, the biggest way to turn off a traditional industry or traditional brand. In the example where it's like, oh, we're spending 7, 10, 15K, you know, on these like magazine insertions or whatever, that that's their comfort level. Believe it or not, it would be way easier for you to pitch them, hey, as part of your fall magazine spread, we can do a whole editorial and an interview around how you are working with me on my YouTube channel. That's the point of the magazine ad. And yes, working with me on my YouTube channel can be part of it, but it's really that's the subject of the magazine ad. And so what you're going to them and saying is not stop running magazine ads. That's stupid. That's a waste of your money. It's I see you. I get that that's your comfort level. I can do that. That's fine. We'll talk, we'll do a profile on me and how there's all these people watching my YouTube channel all about scuba and I'm educating a new generation. And it's like, there's a story there, right? And so like, that's what you pitch and how their brand or their company is advocates for this kind of new, the next generation of scuba aficionados or whatever. That could be the thing that convinces them to be like, oh, okay, like, yeah, this is, this is cool. Let's, let's talk about this. So, so rather than going in and being like, Hey, you're doing this, you got to do this now. You can, it has to be totally orthogonal to what you're currently doing. It's like, no, I see you. Let's just do, let's just like do a minor course correction. Let's do it here. That's good. It's going to be so much easier for that person to convince their boss. If it's not the owner, maybe it's a marketing director or whatever to convince their boss, or if it's a, you know, an agency to convince their client, it's so much easier to convince them of stuff like that than it is to like, let's throw everything out that we've done for the last 50 years or 20 years or whatever, and do something totally new. It's so much easier to convince people to do something like that. Makes sense. Yeah. No, that, that makes a lot of sense actually. So Okay, one follow-up question to that, and then maybe one, one mm -hmm. final question that might take up the rest of our time here. Um, yeah. So scuba diving, by by its nature, is somewhat seasonal. People do dive in the wintertime. They do ice diving and stuff like that. And, of course, if you're in the Southern Hemisphere, then, you know, summer, winter flips and people travel for diving. But there is, you know, a seasonality to it in general. Like the U.S. or North America-type seasons of, of summer are going to be more popular. So this event being in November, most of it is, like, kind of upcoming ideas for 2024, I guess. And I assume, I, I think I know the answer to this, but like maybe some of the research I should do is like, hey, like I saw you did this in 2023 or this product came out in 2023. How'd that go? And then, you know, what are we doing in 2024 to promote that when the season comes back around or something like that? You know, like one one of the things we do is we have dive computers and a pretty popular company just released one a month ago, you know, right at middle of summer type thing, which is great. But, you know, all of that kind of dies off unfortunately during the winter months except for the people again in the southern hemisphere so it's kind of like well for next year you're not going to come out with a brand new computer they just don't you know i mean one company came out with one i think and then it's been the top one for like seven years and they made version two of it seven years later and it's the exact same thing with like two improvements to it type thing like it's such a small mm. improvement where their whole marketing was like 
we know we did a great job. We're giving you the same thing with like just these couple marginal improvements because if it's not broken, why, why fix it type thing? Like, I think there might be an element of that or an aspect of that. And maybe it's just searching as best as I can through old social media posts if I can find them or, or press releases since they're doing that type of work still. Yeah. I mean, your, your, your intuition is right on, man. I think that that's absolutely an exercise that would be super worthwhile because again, it illustrates your professionalism. You're doing the research, you're putting in the work and that's impressive to them. So number, yeah, hundred percent. I also just had like a really random idea and I don't know if you've ever considered this, but like, I feel like this whole seasonality aspect when it comes to, again, going back to kind of the psychographic of the type of people who are watching is that there's gotta be a cohort of people who are thinking like they spend the off months or the off season, either a thinking about scuba for the next season where they live or the other types of people is planning trips to places where they can still scuba dive. Yes. Yeah. And just right? going to the Caribbean. Yes. You know, I, live in, yeah. I live in North Carolina. I'm going to the Caribbean because it'll be 80 plus degrees still and I can go diving. So, so, so like to me that, opens up a whole, not only a, like a, a big content angle of like something that you help with on your channel is like planning scuba trips, but also potentially opens up other types of products that aren't directly scuba related, right? So like travel related type opportunities, um, you know, suitcases that can hold gear, um, you know, like things things that are a little bit more maybe parallel or tangential to scuba in general. But again, we went to the persona. Remember, we went to the psychographics of, of what are these people interested in. Probably there's these other satellite concerns or desires or interests of things that people are spending real dollars and cents on that you can be their guy. You could be the guy to help them guide them along that journey. And it won't be that hard to think of a way to integrate that into the content probably, right? One other quick random thought I had when you mentioned you have a newsletter, it sounds like, or an email list, right? Is that especially given the small to medium-sized nature of the brands that are in your industry, if it was me, I would be making growing my newsletter as one of my chief goals because if conversions is very oftentimes seems like very important to these smaller and medium sized companies, being able to upsell them and say, hey, we can do YouTube integrations, but I also have this newsletter. We can do integrated, you know, blast into my newsletter. We can do dedicated, you know, blast if necessary, whatever. Like I would be thinking like, I'm going to focus on that. Like, let me grow my YouTube, but like newsletter, that's the, both of them. Those, that's the strategy for the next 12 months. You know, this whole idea about doing the the travel brokering and all that stuff too. Like that's, Having, having an email list will be super important for something like that too. Yeah. So I, I think that, media too. Like, yeah, you know, if, if yes, exactly. Media, yes, exactly. It, it's like, media. Media. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It, exactly. So sure. Yeah. It's, it's something it's time. Like, and uh, maybe this is one of the things I think I mentioned in one of the emails I sent to you, but small creator, I'm a small creator. I work full-time. I have a part-time job doing scuba instruction as well. And that's, that's really for fun money. And because I love teaching more than anything else. But like that takes up a lot of time and then you try to create also. So I'm, I'm currently investing by hiring an editor before I'm necessarily seeing the revenue that can pay for that editor fully because, you know, yeah, like I, I want to do more. And I think there's a lot of opportunity here. It's just, you know, how do you tackle it all and how do you stay organized and manage it all yeah. as that full time person that's, you know, got not a full time creator, but full time job, you know, every day. Yeah. So. I think it'll it'll come with time. Okay, so we talked about kind of that initial brand. We talked about just general ways to approach a lot of these different booths and things like that and ways that we can kind of add value both immediately with maybe covering some of their stuff and and or just making those contacts in general. I think maybe the one gap piece still that I, I still question is just that brand education type piece. Like 
do I form like I, I literally started thinking about this today. Do I put together a pitch deck of like like kind of like why you really need to get into the creator economy? Why you like look at all these other industries that have done it and seen results, and then like here's the the psychographics and demographics that I can find for this industry, and you know the industry is aging out. Like the people that are reading the magazines, they're aging out. Those are the 65 plus year olds that are watching some of my videos occasionally. You know, the people that are in their thirties and younger, they aren't necessarily reading the print magazines anymore. And I think, I think I might be able to show some of that with data from these industry reports that I have access to. So like, would it be worth putting together something like that? And then how do you even present that without doing, like you said, showing them like, Hey, you're basically wrong in what you're doing right now. Or just being this kind of, you know, hotshot kid coming in being like, oh, look at this new marketing strategy you should do, right? Like, I yeah. don't know if it's valuable or not, but it's it's still the the education piece is weird. And I, I think there was a stream of yeah. you know, where you mentioned um, a client that you worked with that was in like the lawnmower industry, I think. Mm-hmm. It was like the same idea where it's like, you know, yeah, your tractor isn't going to be thinking about YouTube videos necessarily. But so you said there was a positive experience there. So so, so the, the coaching client that I was talking about throughout this call, that's the same person. He was coming up against this brick wall, just like you are right now, it sounds like, right? This was five years ago. And he just kept going. He just kept educating, going on calls. He didn't get every deal, but he just kept chiseling away at this big rock. And now the budgets have exploded for not just him, but other folks in his industry. And it just took a while because a lot what happens is like the first person caves and then all the everyone's looking around being like, oh, oh, that person, they're working with influencers there, right? They must, if they're doing it, then we got to be doing right? So like, it's, it's, it's a thing. It's the FOMO aspect of like, of, of an industry, especially when it's small. The other thing that I, I thought of when it comes to like putting this kind of industry report together type like context all this stuff too one thing i used to do when i ran my influencer agencies what i was i would do webinars so i would put together a topic around like something something that i thought brands needed to know about right some usually was related to influencer strategy and like how it's helpful and we'd have stats and there'd be a q a and all this stuff too you could do that right you get access to some insights you could have anecdotes around growing your own channel and you literally go out there and you pitch brands. Hey, come to my free webinar. I'm talking about the value of using social media to increase the awareness or the reach of your brand. Free webinar, right? Yeah, you may get three, four, five people on there, but those are going to be the marketing people at these like organizations you care about. You can say, I'm not trying to pitch you any, anything. Um, like, I'm just uh, really excited about this. I'm really excited about moving the industry forward as a whole. I'm really passionate about it. I'm a part-time instructor. I have a channel about it. You know, th- this type of thing. That's authentic, right? Um, and so like, I think something like that would be dope. Like that would be such a great way to make connections, especially in the intervening months where of this conference where, you know, all year long people, marketers are desperate to like level up their own education. And it doesn't seem like there's that much out there for them to do. And so you better believe that I bet there would be, you know, probably an appetite for for some education like this. Yeah. Yeah. So almost kind of like, so even though I guess, yeah, I mean, my channel is completely for the consumer side of things, not at all on like the B2B side of things, but like, I can almost see like your channel is for content creators, but I feel like it's for brands as much as it is to content creators, or it's as much for uh, like even the agencies as it is for creators. I wouldn't say that like the brands are necessarily in my, my audience right now with the current content that I make, but do you think I, I mean, I guess you're giving me permission, but it'd still be an area that I could say like, yeah. hey, like I'm just hosting this free thing if you're interested anyway. You know? Yeah. And, and the other value 
of that man is that it'll give you interesting insights to circle back to your audience, right? Because, you know, right? It's like, so even though your audience on the channel is not brands, it's not what you're caring about. The goal of it is to start establishing relationships, build that Rolodex up for ultimate brand partnerships down the line. But it'll also give you like, first mover advantage to information and the problems that the brands and the companies are experiencing and things like that can inform your own content strategy as you're talking with everyday scuba divers, right? And so I think that's actually a very interesting and unique perspective that no one else is going to have because they're not doing it, right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So then just to recap then, so then for the the question of like, these brands aren't super educated in the idea or they, maybe they are, they just don't see the value just yet. That type of thing. I don't want to say they're not educated in it, but you know, they, they just don't see the value in it yet. So kind of a, maybe a two or three prong approach would be like one, when discussing things and doing that outbound, talk about the value add for what they're currently doing and make it as adjacent to what they're currently doing as possible uh, with that yep. slight deviation. Um, so maybe, you know, newsletters, if I go to compared to print ads or like, oh, you know, you're doing this on social media, but like, what if we did it where I posted and instead of you posting your own branded stuff, it was the repurposed content, right? And it's it's a creator instead of people that know that you're the brand sponsoring your own content. Um, right. So kind of that type of thing. And then um, not so much a, a pitch deck, I guess, but maybe more of a offering potentially a webinar or something like that as well would be a way to kind of show them the power of of the creator economy, I guess, and the things that can go there. And then the final one was just straight persistent and over, you know, over time, knock on enough doors and hopefully someone will say yes. And then that FOMO will help kind of drive, uh, you know, the other competitors basically to go through from there. Someone is going to say yes. It's not if it's when to me, but because like, again, at the end of the day, they are desperate to figure out ways to like reach new customers. That's their challenge every day. Um, and so you are coming here as, you know, offering a solution. And so, yeah, all it takes is someone, you know, the first domino falling for there to be a big impact across the industry. And it may, may, it may take a little time. It may take several years of this education. You're going to get a lot of doors slammed in your face. You're going to get a lot of no's. You're going to be like a, a lot of no's. Not, oh, maybe next year. This type of, you're gonna, That's going to happen. It's going to be expected. And when you treat that as the expectation, then you're good. Like anything better than that is like sweet, right? It's it's so funny, dude, because like when I first started working with with Paul, my uh, the coaching client who's, who uh, helps teach lawn care professionals, couple of years ago, like this is exactly where he was. And it's totally different story now. And so I think it's just a matter of like, you know, the timeline might be a little bit different, but like, I do think everyone's going to ultimately wake up whatever industry it is and realize that like, people are not reading magazines like this. They're not watching, you know, linear TV like they used to. They're not doing the same, these types of traditional advertising media that they used to do. Um, and so what are, what else is around, you know, ads or working with creators like that? This is, it's going to become obvious to everyone in some, you know, quicker than others. Honestly, I think you have a very firm grasp on like your intuition is very good when it comes to this type of stuff. What would you say is like, like if there was one really major takeaway or clarity moment from you from this, this call? I think the biggest piece, the biggest takeaway that I'm getting is that like what you just said, basically, like I, part of my hesitation has almost been the analysis paralysis of, you know, I, I do see a lot of opportunity in this industry. There's not that many creators in the industry. It does have a barrier of entry due to the nature of what we do. So there's so much opportunity and rather than getting analysis paralysis, I think it's time to just start getting on calls and just start having those conversations and, you know, yeah, just kind of see where it goes. I think, like like I said, I, I kind of had some of these ideas already. I just was kind of somewhat afraid of doing that and then, you know, potentially ruining a partnership. So, yeah, biggest mm -hmm. takeaway would be like the analysis paralysis can, can kill you. So you identify with being one of those people like me that 
is constantly educating yourself and don't ever, you know, start type thing, then, then maybe, uh, use this as, as an opportunity. And I, I need to give myself that own, my own advice every once in a while too. So same thing with starting a YouTube channel, right? People will, will talk about it for years and never hit the record button that first time. Cause there's always one more thing. I finally hit record in December last year. And now I need to finally get on a call with a brand and, you know, talk to them. Love it. Well, thanks again, Thomas. This is great. Yeah, no, I appreciate it. Thank you so much. Hey, you're, uh, you're still here. Well, that's pretty cool. I appreciate that. I got a really small ask. Would you rate this podcast wherever you're currently listening to it? A friend of a friend told me that positive ratings are the number one way to help get your podcast in front of new listeners. So will you do me a solid rate it? And then, you know what? Actually screenshot the rating, DM it to me at creator wizard. And in return, I will, you know what? I'm going to sing you a song of your choosing deal. I, and I used to be in a metal band and I'm classically trained in opera. So you're probably going to want to rate the podcast. Thanks again.